You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, which means this is our hashtag one big idea episode. In these episodes, you'll hear some of the best big ideas from incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to the Flip My Funnel podcast. I am excited. We are uh, we are at the Salesforce office, and it's pretty awesome in Canada. Yeah. This will be the second podcast that that we're recording internationally. So I'm, I'm pumped. <laughs> and again, thanks to Kenny. Um, so you're gonna hear from Kenny and Derek Grant, great friends. And uh, in some ways, I think both of you guys are being mentors to me. And we'll we'll, we'll talk about that why and how um, I get to it. But today we're gonna we're gonna learn about a ton of different things. I think. I want to learn about Kenny. Why did you start Sales TL? What is the mm-hmm. whole point of Sales TL? What's your end game with that? And why should people think about events as as a way of connecting personally and learning? And and people uh, who are maybe early in their career or maybe even executives, it doesn't really matter. I think some of the things that you're trying to do is really really phenomenal. And I would love to get you uh, talking about that. So Kenny uh, Kenny Goldman, he's the founder of Sales TL. Uh, that's why we are here in Canada, and he's also the co-founder of Supercut. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about that. And then Derek, you and I, we have Derek Grant. He is the VP of Commercial Sales at Salesloft, and Derek and I, he was running sales at Pardot. I was running marketing in the last, you know, few few a uh, couple of years before we both decided to. One, me started to go start Terminus, and you moved on to to multiple different things. And I think we had a very unique relationship, you know, together where I grew to learn and love sales as an art because I saw that how much how much heart you put into your job. And I really tried started to appreciate that man, sales is a really, really important thing. And I don't know if you remember, but I probably never missed a single sales meeting. Like I may have missed marketing meetings, but I never missed the Monday morning, 10 a.m. or 9 a.m., wherever it was, Appreciate that. the sales yeah. meeting because I got so much energy out of it because Derek was like, man, let's let's do this thing. And he would get people excited. He was marketer. He was product marketing. He was a sales leader. He was a mentor. He was a coach. And he was also someone who was working on deals. And to me, that was just phenomenal to just watch you in your like strides and, and learning of it. Thank so. You. So with that, um, let's just let's just open it up to to Kenny. Sales TO. Mm-hmm. What is sales TO? Why are you doing that? Why do you have two people from Atlanta coming down to Canada <laughs> yeah. to to do this event? And then you have like three hundred plus people that here. You had uh, David Cancel speaking at this. Kyle Porter please speak at this. Um, you know Dan Ross, yep. uh, who was the once first speaker at uh, at sales TO. Yep. Clearly, this event and this movement is catching up. Why are you doing this thing? Yeah. So um, selfishly. Um, I had no experience speaking publicly, and so <laughs> no one, no one wanted to hear an SDR and AE speak in front of a room. And so I figured, what's the best way to get in front of a room and, and speak speak in front of folks and, and and kind of work on that skill? And so yeah. sales to was was born out of that thought. Um, but furthermore, as someone coming up in sales, I found that there was a lack of resources. And um, you know, Sales Hacker was was really coming to to fruition at the time, and it started to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Toronto specifically, there was no meetup centric focus um, events that allowed me to meet other sales professionals, yeah. learn from other sales professionals. And there's really only two goals at a sales deal event, which is meet someone new and learn something new. Yeah. And Meet someone new, learn something new. That's it. Shouldn't those be the skills for, or, or things Everybody. that everyone, regardless of you're in sales, 100%. marketing, or 100%. whatever career you are? 
and it's 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 funny because the, the people that sometimes come to these events, um, I'll get a message after LinkedIn, and um, you know, I'll say, "Hey, Kenny, I'm looking for a job. Do you have any recommendations?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I have hundreds of recommendations. Come to a sales CEO <laughs> event and talk to people because I have hundreds of recommendations. Because people come to me after the event and say, "Hey, I'm looking for a gig," and then. Companies come to me after sales deal. I'm looking for folks. Yep. And yeah. I said, both of you are at the event. How did you right not place. stumble upon each other, yeah. right? And um, oftentimes, people are too focused on what can I get out of that conversation yeah. instead of how can I give? How can I add value to another person? And so um, they're not walking up to people with that in mind. Yeah. Um, you know, they're too focused on well, what am I going to get out of this meetup? And um, I, you know, I try to be extremely thoughtful about the people that come out to these, the way it's positioned, the... Um, the the sponsors and there's only two rules no pitching no poaching it happens yeah right it's gonna happen it's bound to happen we're salespeople did you run into <laughs> issues with that like when you said to the sponsors saying that all right i'm not gonna give you the main i'm gonna talk about you as as someone who's like putting this organization this event together but i'm not gonna give you like a full spot it's not just because you're sponsoring you're gonna be speaking yeah. did did you receive pushback and i'm assuming the answer is yes and how did you overcome that Absolutely. And the answer is if that's not something that you're looking for, if you're not looking for a grassroots organic type of event, then this isn't a fit. Yeah. Right? That's it. It's as simple as that. We're not going to live and die off some sponsors. And we want sponsors who actually genuinely want to add value to the sales community. That's amazing, man. If you can't come to the event and do that, then there's no point of of you being there. And just to add to that point in terms of why you both are here, why we've got Cancel, why we've got Porter coming to these events is because sales is global. Sales is not Toronto-based. Sales is not happening just in North America. Sales is a global thing, and um, there's experts all around the world with different opinions and perspectives, and I think it would be short-minded to just focus on the Toronto scene. There's so much to learn from people who have experience at Pardot, at SalesLoft, at Terminus, Salesforce, that many people in the Toronto scene aren't getting exposure to. And they're not always flying to San Francisco to come to an event that happens like almost every month uh, as opposed to something. So that's, that's amazing, and I think... What you're really getting, and I want to make sure people don't miss this point, is the fact that no matter what career like trajectory you're on, you may be an intern, you may be in marketing sales, uh, you may be early on, you may be executive, the idea of giving and idea of being at events like this, you know, you, you, can't, you can't overdo it. Yep. Um, and I think you, you're, you're just giving that as an example. And most people, you probably are not seeing this if you're watching or listening to on a podcast like Kenny is. And if you don't mind me sharing, like how old we are, Kenny is twenty-five. And we figured that out. Incredible. Yeah, Kenny's twenty-five, and we figured that out at dinner last night because we were doing the eight bottle of wine. (laughs) Yeah, bottle of wine to figure out, like Kenny, how how are you doing all these things? And if people say that, hey, look, I can't put pull events together, or if I can't do X, Y, Z, and all these excuses that we put in our brains, like here is here. If this podcast is anything. Um, I, I think it's for you to know that age doesn't matter. Yep. If you have the will and the zeal to do it, you can do whatever you want to do. And and Kenny is a awesome example of the fact that he's able to bring in outside of you know Derek and I the best people possible on the planet <laughs> uh, at, at this this event and and is able to really pull something together that many people would just dream of. So kudos to you. What I thought was really powerful is he talked about the fact that no one would want to hear an SDR and a speak, but then you yeah. think he's accomplished all this at 25. And so you had an irrational belief. You've proven that not to be true. Yeah. You've networked. You have, a, you have an incredible network out there. And so, it, you know, Sanger carries a lot of similarities to flip my funnel. It, it's something that isn't affiliated with a particular brand. It's affiliated with a particular movement. And yeah. so this is really powerful. And, you know, we're both super honored to be here. I know 
uh, and all your speakers are, but what a cool event and what yeah. a, what a feather in your cap at, you know, just something you did because it mattered to you. And now it's got a life of its own. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a lot of fun and I'm going to continue doing it. And it's, it's fueled by, by, yeah. by great folks like you guys. So, all right. So Derek, let's get into the heyday, man. Heyday, uh, the old school. We go back like lazy boys. <laughs> oh, right? we should. Dude. All right. So, uh, you know, you have been a sales leader through and through, uh, you've been a mentor, sure. uh, to me. And, and then I feel like, Man, I, I just I just continue to want to be like you when I grow up, right? Like it's, it's that's something that I, you, I think you, about. You're doing way better as a founder <laughs> of a company. No, I mean it's, it's not it's not the career. It's not that. It's just as a person, right? And I think that's what matters. And we, you and I were talking last night yep. after the dinner. We actually went and had more drinks. But we were, you know, so we're talking about legacy, and we said that most people don't really, you know, are not going to remember us for uh, what title we had. Or, you know, what, uh, you know, if you were a CEO of a company or not, none of them if you founded a company or not. It doesn't really yep. matter. It's like, have you really impacted our community and people around us? And Sales2 is a great example I of agree. it, you know, and, and you, because you pretty much said yesterday, is like, hey, you really care about helping and leading and seeing the people that were under your wings that you helped really even crawl, like go over and beyond where yeah. you have, right? Yeah. Like, they, you right. want them to be the CROs. You want them to be whatever they want to be. So talk to us about legacy and talk to us about how do you think of, of, of that, uh, not just from a sales perspective, but just as a human being. Well, you know, we were talking in the elevator on the way up last night uh, about Stephen Covey's second habit, which is start yeah. with the end in mind and the idea that it's, uh, what do you want someone to say when they're standing over your casket? And then you back into that and you live yeah. your life that mm-hmm. way. Write your own eulogy. Yep, that's yeah. exactly right. And so I, I think that – and we were talking about the the subtle art of not giving – and I'll, I'll so this won't be an explicit podcast. I'll spare the last <laughs> word. Uh, but there's a, there's a great bit in that book where it talks about people want to leave a legacy behind. But so often they do it on a building. They, mm-hmm. uh, they endow a scholarship. They do all these different yeah. things. The legacy that I want to leave behind is, is one where – there are salespeople who are in sales in a decade, and they're still there because of some of the things they learned from sales Right. and some of the things they learned with our leadership team and some of the things they learned from me. You know, and, and I, you know, I'll give you a really good example. I, yeah. I look at Tony uh, at Terminus, who was was one of the ex Kardashians. Yeah. He was one of our great reps. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, that was the Kardashians were really, really yes, you know, so now we had the old Kardashians. <laughs> Uh, and I, so I had, I caught up with her recently. And one of the things I said to her is, is I can't say I'm proud of you because that shows some level of ownership, but I'm just okay. really impressed with all the things Like she's grown so much. Yeah, absolutely. In the, in the stops post part And so, you know, I, I love seeing those sorts of stories and, and our, the manager, we have a manager that does our, uh, we call them VSB reps with mm-hmm. the very small business reps. They're promoted SDRs coming up. And I said, you've got the best job in the business. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why? I said, you literally are going to be the person when they call, look back in, in a decade and say, well, my first sales manager did this yeah. or did that, or, or this yeah. one time she redirected me here. You'll be the, the person they're referring to. You yeah. will, that will be your legacy with them. Right. And so I, I think that's such a powerful thing. I get chill bumps just sort of thinking about it. Like what a, what a cool place to be yeah. in. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that I ever want to be, you know, be responsible for a great company. I want to be responsible for great people. And if we have all that, then I feel mm-hmm. like we'll be in a situation where where the company will, will do well because if, of that. If I can add to that, Please. so I, I have a very vivid memory, 2013, of Derek Grant coming to Toronto when I was working at Vidyard sure. at KW. Yeah. And, you know, subconsciously, those interactions played into why I loved being in sales, right? Like meeting wow. great people, 
Think about that, yeah, right? If you talk about legacy, what you do? Crazy yeah. thing. Passionate, enthusiastic, and like at the time, that was that you were what I was looking for in a role model, right? Wow. Someone who I could aspire to be. Yeah. And we're gonna have tissue papers here. Can we have tissue papers? I think I think so often you can just see people, you know, going through the cycles, right? Yeah, they're being in sales and you know, they get off the phone with a client and they sigh, but it wasn't that interaction with Eric. Yeah. And it, it wasn't like we spoke for hours, yeah. um, but just seeing how you handled yourself, how you were able to articulate the product, the knowledge you had around Pardot and the Salesforce community, that was, I wanted to have that um, that knowledge and that passion too, yeah. like being in sales. That's super cool. Yeah. So, so talk to us um, about new and aspiring people who want to break into sales yep. today, right? And and both of you, like you're talking about, Derek, you're talking about mentorship and, and, and leading people through it and seeing the better, best of them. And through Sales CEO, Kenny, you're trying to help create this platform where you just need to educate yourself all the time. And that's why you do this every other month to bring people together. You know, if you're new and if you're trying to break into sales, what what advice do you guys have? Why don't you take a stab at it? And I'm glad to pile in behind sure. it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that far removed from it, right? Um, <laughs> That's a good point. So I remember being at Vidyard, and I approached the. That was CEO. your first company. That, that was you uh, for? yeah, and I was still in in college then, yeah, university. And I approached Michael Litt, the CEO at the time. There were maybe 15 people. Yeah. And they were doing a recruitment event for engineers. Yeah. And I I went in there being a business minded student, being like engineers. I can get a job here, um, <laughs> not not as an engineer, but but on the business what, side. What, of how many years ago was that? This was in 2012, 2013. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was 20 years old at the time. <laughs> that um, is listen up, people. He's listen been hustling. Up. Yeah, right. like, listen up. 20. If you're actually drinking and getting wasted here at 20, this is what Kenny has yeah. been doing. So, and so on. I went to Michael Lynn. And I'm just like, hey, great to meet you. I'm you know in business at Laurier, the, the, the university I went to. I'm looking for something in, in sales and marketing. Um, full-time student. Yeah. It's like, all right, like I'll introduce you to, I think at the time it was, it was the only AE at Vidyard. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, he's still there and he's still a mentor of mine, Dan Wardle. And, um, Dan's like, great. Okay, sure. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll entertain a conversation. Yeah. I went to their office the next week, um, resume in hand. They kind of threw away the resume. They just want a conversation. They said, you know, you're still in school. I don't think we have the capacity to bring someone on and, and teach them. Yeah. yeah. And I said, fine, I'll work for free. Uh, and I said, I don't care. It was, it was, you know, any student who gets exposure to that startup environment immediately, you're like, you know, you're, yeah, you're in love with it. So, um, I remember with my Sony laptop, I would go to the office. They wouldn't even give me a laptop. Wow. Um, (laughs) that is wild. I didn't have a Salesforce login. I used like the executive at salesforce.com login, uh, Vidyard login. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I would be prospecting leads, you know, just going in and and sending messages. So you're working for free. Working for, for a free. company, as many they won't even give you a laptop. They won't even give you a laptop, <laughs> and, and you're a full time student. Exactly, and um, and they treated me really, really well. I asked a stupid, inordinate amount of questions, um, and I remember being there on my third day. There at the time, at, at this point, they had hired another AE. Another AE's like, man, I got double booked. I need you to jump on this demo. Yes, and I'm like, I have and how long? No, how, this, how many months or how many weeks? This this was like my this is my third. Day in the office. So this is probably <laughs> the, second, day in the, the second week that I was there. You don't even have a login for a Vidyard yet. At <laughs> yeah, this point, exactly. you're supposed to demo it. And uh, yeah. his and at the time, you know, it was very early, so the customers there were still getting educated around B two B video and all yeah. these things. Like, I need you to jump on the demo. Yeah. And uh, I was shaking, <laughs> and uh, you could tell through the conversation on the phone, and it, it probably didn't go as smooth as I would have liked to, but um, that. That adrenaline, that energy. Yeah. Was so you powerful. let the fears go, and and you know, yeah. now the next call. Exactly. Back. And I ended up 
actually moving all my classes to evening classes and started working there full time um, as an SDR and worked my way up. Um, And one of the biggest lessons that I always recommend to people is, um, one, just get your foot in the door. I don't care how you do it. Start selling. Nowadays, I've seen people start selling a product or at least reaching out to the you know ideal customer profile ahead of interviews and conversations so they have better knowledge around the pain points that customers or buyers are having. And then secondly is um, you have to learn. Yeah. It sounds weird, but oftentimes um, salespeople can come into an environment and you know, it's, it's an awesome place to be or you're always hanging around other sales professionals and it's fun and it's, you know, it's high energy and you're jumping on calls or yeah. you're being invited to shadow calls. But you, if you don't dedicate time to preparing and being proactive and learning, yep. um, you, you will fall short, I promise you. That's right. And um, I, would, I would spend time reading books, understanding sales methodologies, practicing certain tactics and guess what? I went into Salesforce every single night yeah. in the sandbox and I would break as many things as I can. <laughs> and I owe a lot of my experience in sales and where I've been able to get it at hired running sales ops there from the fact that I just got extremely knowledgeable in Salesforce. Yeah. And f- so few people actually spend the time learning how the architecture and the tools out there work and yeah. why they're important and why you implement them. And that's the first recommendation I always give. Go on Trailhead. Yeah. Everything is free nowadays. Yeah. There's no excuse why you don't become an expert. Yeah. And you become the most knowledgeable person in your company at Salesforce because it will propel you. That is so such an awesome thing. Something really powerful as well. There's a free developer force account. Yes. And so when you're learning that, you may say, well, they're not giving me an entry-level sales rep yeah. access to admin in Salesforce. Yeah, you can set up your own account. Exactly. And so if you're really interested in it's the thirst for knowledge, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so Derek uh, – you know, share, I mean, I love for you, your take on, like, so you've been with Pardot, you, what, what, what number? Uh, number four. Yeah. So you think about this guy, right? So Derek Grant, number four uh, employee of Pardot that was bought by uh, Exact Target for $95 million. And then he was went through the acquisition of Salesforce and stayed there and ran the, ran the team over there for, for that all the way to how much was, so the sales part of was acquired at 10 million. Yep. Uh, and then how long, what was the revenue close by? They're right until about 50. 50. Yep. So right about 50 or so. So went from, from zero to 10 and then from 10 to 50 in almost like what year and a half or something yeah, like that. Yeah, we really hit the gas with Salesforce as a distribution yeah. Uh, channel. Sure. Yeah, so you think about the, so the reason I kind of went, went through that history is because when you go from a startup company and to a gigantic company like Salesforce and all of a sudden you're thinking about the scale aspect of things, the growth from zero to 10 million and 10 to 50 million in a year and a half, right? That's just insane. Like the number of people you're hiring, the number of uh, things that you're learning, the number of ways you're going about things is just all over the place. Any lessons, any nuggets from like, what was your transition like from being a leader of a team in a startup to being one of the leaders in an iconic brand like Salesforce? You you and I had the conversation last night uh, about the fact that that at Terminus, because you were the the first marketing voice, yeah. that all the things you could do, but then you realize that there are people who could do them potentially better, better. they're specialists. And I think that was one of the big shifts that I saw is from uh, from a small business where you have no resources mm-hmm. to a global business where they have infinite resources <laughs> was... They may not, they may never say they have infinite resources, but to you <laughs> and I, it would be like... For yeah. everyone listening, I think Salesforce <laughs> is infinite resources. Let's yeah. just go on the record with that. Uh but I, that was one of the, the big things that I found was a, a challenge for me was that I 
continue to operate like a small business person at a large business. And you may mm. say, well, that's good. Think like an owner. There's this idea of, of intrapreneurship, which is you, you think of, of your job as a salesperson as your own little business. But the dark side of that, sort of the flip side, was that there were things that I kept control of yeah. doggedly mm. that I should have deferred to other experts inside the business because yeah. Salesforce had a multitude of people who were literally – a, a mile deep on, on every topic that we yeah. could be talking about. And so that was one of the big takeaways was, and we talked about consensual last night, the idea of being able to bring other people in, yeah. uh, in into and in, in consult them and get, just get an, an extra set of eyes on something. Mm-hmm. And Salesforce had all those people yeah. because I'd never had access to those people before. There was a, what got me here is going to get me there. And the facts aren't, would not. Yeah. So I, I think one of the, the big challenges that I would say in, you know, I know at Terminus, Tony has talked about how she enjoys doing the onboarding, but as yeah. you guys are hiring you know, multiple times a month now, it's not scalable. She could spend all of her time doing the enablement role that we were yeah. talking about uh, a little earlier in the day and not ever actually have time to do her day job, which is managing, leading a sales team. Yeah. And so I, I will tell you that the big learning that I had from Salesforce was know what to let go of, even if you don't necess- even if you love it. Yeah. Know what to let go of. Lean on people around you that can be great resources. Uh, and then let them, you know, don't try and micromanage the experts, let them come to you, let them bring insights, ask them questions, be able to, uh, uh, to execute on that and then make decisions based on that. It literally is the difference between trying to lead from the front and trying yeah. to actually take a position up on the hill so you can actually see what the battlefield looks like. And so that. that was a, was a, a challenge and it was something that, and I was like, you can, I had access to Salesforce. I could do all the things, you know, a, a group that I never really success, used as successfully as I could at Salesforce was the sales ops function. Cause they could have gotten me any piece of data, yeah. Yeah. but instead I'm fumbling through Salesforce trying to find the stuff yeah. because I knew Salesforce. Right. And so I think sometimes and you think you thought you knew better, like you would move faster. Yeah, maybe. that's right. And, and, and 0% chance I could have. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so what, what I think is interesting is that is the small business person who is the utility infielder does all the things, yeah. uh, when you suddenly have the resource to do that because you knew how to do it, you then continue to do it. And I thought your comment the other day or, or last night was really powerful, which is I'm now sort of understanding my lane and, yeah. and I'm, I'm allowing people around me yep. to, to punch above their weight class yeah. instead of me being the person that's going to do it. Yeah. And they're sort of, I got to play hero ball. I don't have to play hero ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of heroes out there, a lot of people equipped to be great heroes. And I think uh, in many ways we get in our own way. Right. And in, 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 you know, I think this is something that, you know, we were talking about this last night too, is, is, and then it, it's, was, it's, it's when you're really good at something, you almost feel unstoppable and you feel like you're better than, in, in some ways that lets you go faster. Yeah. And in the very early days, you need that kind of mentality yeah. because you're on your own and you're doing it and nobody's going to believe in you as much as you believe in yourself. Right. So you have to shut off all these noises that are coming around you and you have to just keep going and just mm-hmm. believe in yourself. Yeah. And and a little bit later on, if you don't get your head out of the sand, uh, you, you, would, you, you might miss that there are a lot of people cheering on you. There are a lot of people who want to help you, and there are a lot of people who want to give you a hand in the in the the mission, whatever you have inside of company. In the, if you're if you have a new initiative that you want to do, or a sales leader, or a marketing leader, whatever it might be, I think there are a lot of people who want to help you after after the first critical path. But if you miss that window where you do not acknowledge the help that you can get from yeah, others, yeah, yeah. then then you would be alone. And on your own, and then you cannot move as fast as you want to move, and you will hurt yourself, others around you, and it's it's a painful lesson, and that I've learned as well. And and I think the 
the faster people learn about that is like, man, you have to move faster and, and you can experiment. No, yeah. Nothing has to stop you from experimenting things. Um, like the podcast we talked about yeah. last night, this is an experiment. I, I want to do a podcast, and I, but I don't want to take the entire organization's resources yeah. to do it. So I had an agency, uh, yeah. James Carberry, who's running and who's the producer of the podcast. And he does the editing. He does the posting. He does all of that. And I get to talk to amazing people yeah. like, like you guys. So it's a conversation. But in the old way of thinking, I would have said, man, this is something I want to do. I want everybody on this project. Well, and it yeah. gets it gets stacked on your list as well. So yeah. it becomes one more thing on a list of things that will never truly get done. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I have a question for Derek um, regarding, well, just to, to add to this point, oftentimes the skills that make you really good early on are yeah. the skills that necessarily benefit you later stage, right? right. So um, one thing that I've had to get better at is just believing myself and confidence that I can learn or I can execute on yep. a lot of these things, or at least I can get to a place where after a certain amount of failures or testings, yeah. eventually I'll hopefully develop enough context and expertise around it that um, I'll be able to, to complete it. Yeah, be have, proficient. Sure. Exactly. But to a certain point, that's not healthy when you have resources or, or people yeah. who are much more capable than yourself. Um, so and, and before we, you ask a question, I mean, you, you mentioned this even yesterday. Sales Studio has grown so much for you that you can no longer manage all the catering and all, all the, the facility yeah. stuff. So what you did, and this is really cool, I hope people kind of listen in really clear, clearly on this one, is you made a decision that it's not about making money on this event. You said, I'm good at, I want to build relationships. So you're trying to get the best people to come speak. I want to control and make sure the content is good and be close to the people, the audience, your customer, uh, as close as possible. And you have partnered up with another team or yep. people to do all those system. other things. Sure. Support exactly. system, right? They take care of volunteers, food, drinks, <laughs> venues, ticketing, all that type of stuff. And then my goal is to make sure that we're still facilitating a value-driven event with yeah. sales leaders. I mean, every event will give out uh, upwards of 20 tickets for women in sales for free. Oh, yeah. Um, all these types of things to ensure that we're continuously building. And you can think about those things now because you now freed yourself exactly. up from like the day-to-day is the ticketing yeah, system that's working right. That's right. and who's behind the, the counter. i got to set up a table. It's like yeah. you have people who can set up a table. There's yeah. something, there's a higher calling. Exactly. Higher purpose. Yeah. Sorry, okay. So I, I just want to make sure people recognize that, hey, you don't have to get wrapped around the axle with your own thing and do be so expert at it that you, you cannot ask for help. Yeah. And, and I think that's where people stop growing. Is right. they get they become experts in their own thing and they get so good that they're unstoppable and and they feel like well nobody can do better than they can and the art that Derek was mentioning about letting go yeah. of certain things is really the art of growing. Yeah. You just grew leaps and bounds. You can now make this not just Canada but maybe international event yeah. because you let go of certain things. Exactly. So I, I want to make sure that we you know everybody hears that. But go so ahead. full circle to that point, which is around a player coach. Okay. So I've never understood how a company will or a sales leader will determine how involved they are as a player versus the percentage of time they spend as a coach. Okay. And so I wanted to get your perspective on that because I understand you're still involved day to day on deals. Mm-hmm. You may not actively be working the deal, but if there's a call that you need to jump on or if you need to work with a rep and sit beside them and go through you know, specific criteria or factors that play into where the deal is or when the deal is going to close – how do you think about being a player and a coach? Because oftentimes you can get caught up in being the player yep. um, and then you know, you've know you got a ton of responsibilities as a coach. I think the most important learning for me was quickly being surpassed as the best rep. So I was the number one rep at Pardot. I was top of the leaderboard because it was yeah. just me. And the second guy came <laughs> in and it was pretty quickly apparent that he was dramatically more skilled than I was. I, I think understanding what my limitations are and understanding what my strengths are 
has allowed me to, to sort of find a, a lane which I feel really comfortable in. Uh, one thing I would say, and so uh, Doug Landis from Emergence Capital used to yep. be the chief storyteller at Box. He talks about there being four main personas for sales leaders. And one is the deal guy. Mm-hmm. And one is the architect. And one is the conductor. And one is the culture person. And his theory was you can be all of those say, things. Can you repeat that? Blur the so it, it was the deal guy, yeah. the architect, the conductor, uh, and, the, and the last was the culture guy. Culture guy. And, you know, someone, and we were talking about, uh, you know, ex-Salesforce ex or now the head of sales at Slack, Bob Fratty, is being a culture guy. And you can look, it is, what he was teaching us was how to look at their LinkedIn profile and begin to see if it's like, you know, building a high-performing culture, if that's like part of their headline or, yeah. or a lot of endorsements from people who talk about how they've they really helped shape their career. It's those sorts of things that can begin to give you cues as to what the, yeah. the person is. And something that I thought was really interesting is I don't consider myself to be the deal guy. And so as Doug was saying, I was sort of in my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, I think I'm probably more the architect, mm-hmm. uh, the builder, the process guy. Uh, so what I saw in the mirror was that. And then Doug said, raise your hand if you think Derek is a deal guy. And then all the hands in the room went up. And it, so it's, it's interesting that <laughs> people around you know better about well, you than yeah, you that's yourself. Right. What, what I see in the mirror is not necessarily what, uh, what is, is maybe true, but I think it's, it is interesting that I, I don't need to be in every deal. I've got great reps, great leaders who can who can help be in those things. I do like to be in the deals because I feel close to the customer. I feel like I I know what's actually happening. What, you know, is is what we're saying resonating? Is are there questions that we're not answering? Mm-hmm. But I think then it's being able to to pull back from the learnings in those calls. Those calls are almost exploratory, almost a scouting mission. You can pull back and say, boy, you know, I, I noticed our rep was a little weak in Salesforce integration. So how can we uh, better teach for for Salesforce integration? How can we make that? Uh, an area of focus over the span of the next week there, you know, discovery could have been a little better. That was shaky. I don't feel like we really drilled down to, to level three meaningful pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but, but can, how can we go and, and fix that negotiation? You know, I, I get called in on a lot of those and negotiation is one of those rare things that it is the least practiced of all the selling things and potentially the most important. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and there was a negotiation I totally screwed up late last year. And as soon as I got off the phone, I was like, Dad, yeah, come and I had to apologize to the rep, you know. And so everyone is is prone to do that, but you know, yeah. do, do we realize that we all could need could learn more about negotiation? Yeah. And so, yeah. um, I think being in those calls allows me to see what. Uh, yeah, it, it keeps you close to the field enough where you don't necessarily have to be the person who's picking up the arms and kind of fighting the battle. But it is you are close enough where you can actually see all that. I love that metaphor of like you're top of the hill and you're looking at everything and then can look at it and jump in as and when you need. Mm -hmm. One of the things in the early days at Pardot, one of our managers would literally, when he saw a call going sideways, he would bump the person's chair out of the way and take over the keyboard. (laughs) And so, you know, he was really doing the selling for them and people need to to sometimes fail. It's got to be so hard to stay back. Yeah, that's right. You're just like, oh, I can do so much better. It's what you were talking about, but it's, they need to learn to do it better and they need to become as much of an expert as you are. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's super, super hard, but yeah, I, I've always, I've never thought of myself as a deal guy. I think it's, it was funny to see that our reps did, but I always thought of myself as, as being somebody who was a little bit more around the, the building of team, the culture, the process, yeah. the mm-hmm. market segment, the messaging, those sorts of things. So it's interesting that people think it's we could be so different. So yeah. Think about things so differently. Yeah, the the part that, uh, and we'll wrap up in a second with with it uh, again. This is this is like two pages of notes, two pages of notes. <laughs> a lot of lot of takeaways from here. But the part that resonates with that story, Derek, is the fact that uh, let helping your team, and again, it can go to any team, right? Sales, marketing doesn't really matter. 
but helping rec- help your team recognize that it's okay to fail. And more importantly, that you got their back yeah. is by far, I think, the greatest strength of a leader. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Because a lot of people let others fail and it was more of like, I told you so, yeah. versus like, hey, I got your back. I've done this. I've made mistakes. Here's how we could improve. Not jumping in and correcting and making it right then and there, but then actually having that person's back. Let's just, just jump on the next call and yeah. let's fix this. I think that itself, I hope everybody takes that as one of the biggest things that they could do in their organization as a leader um, or as, or aspire to be in, in that is to letting people fail, but more importantly, having their back when they fail. Yep. If you if or your reps are going into a pipeline meeting or a forecast meeting and they're afraid yeah. to update the team yeah, on the deals yeah. or hiding deals yep. um, or sandbagging deals yeah. and not try, not speaking up and not participating, not being engaged – that's a factor of the leadership not being yeah aware. the leadership failed pretty yeah. much not yeah. not being not backing the reps and not advocating for them to learn and fail and experiment yeah and speak up yeah right uh, I, so I get every loss report and we consider a loss to be a loss to status quo or to a competitor and there was one that I saw the other day and and I read the report and then I, I called the rep and I, I said hey tell me what happened here and he goes I just got off the phone with our CEO because he also got the loss report. And yeah. I was like, tell me about that call. And he was very much in the tactical piece. And so I felt like he didn't need to be piled on at that point. I'm like, tell me what happened. How yeah. can we fix it? What would you have done differently? And so it was the opportunity for us to, to just sort of reset and learn from that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we, it was one that I, if I'd love us to have it back, I'd love us to have done the things that he mentioned we could have done differently, but we can't, there's no time machine. Yeah. The truth is sales is a lot more no's than yes. Yeah. And so being, we're, we're, we are uh, organ- we uh, as all sellers are built to fail two thirds of the time, three quarters of the time. Yep. You're looking for the one yes in the sea of no's, right? And so uh, it's 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 not internally. I think you internalize you internalize the lessons from them, but yeah. you know I think it's being able to be Teflon to to nothing sticks to you if you take a loss. You're like, all right, you know, let's learn from that. They say good shooters have short memories, and I think yeah, the salespeople yeah. too. Uh, okay. They remember the key, the the core thing that they should do differently, but they're not letting. The last loss be something that's going to impact them on the next one. They're they're going to they're going to take it on with a great deal of confidence, and they're going to you know just go and win that day. That's awesome, man. All right, so let's wrap this thing up. This is really a lot of really cool stuff. So one, Kenny, you started off by saying that focus on giving. When you're learning, you need to focus on giving. Yeah, a lot of times we are in every conversation. What do I get out of this conversation? What do I get out of this meeting? What do I get out of this? Um, only if you can let your guard down and, and think about, like, you know, how am I offering? Am I helping? Am I listening? Yeah. I think that can change. Even giving, I, I think a lot of people miss that giving is like you preaching to someone. Mm-hmm. I think giving could be listening to yep. someone. 100%. Uh, That's right. And I, then totally I think people miss out. as like, hey, you're just learning about somebody and letting them tell their story could be a great way of, like, not of giving because you're giving that person a voice. It could be cathartic, yeah. right, yeah. for them to be able to share some of the things that yeah. deeply are, uh, are on their mind. What's the old adage? Uh, one mouth, two ears. <laughs> and you should use them in that in those percentages. So, yeah, yeah that, totally would, that is great. Love yeah. that. Um, Derek, you mentioned about two really interesting things. One was this idea of irrational belief in, in oh kind God. of just going at something yeah. and, and you need that uh, i want people don't miss that misinterpret that as saying that well it means you're not thinking through no you got to have an irrational belief in yourself 
that you can be good, you can be better, no matter how many times you have to fumble and go through it. And having two kids myself, I feel like they have the most irrational belief of all times, yes. right? And and if anything, like you know, we want to be like our like our kids, right? They, you want to have this incredible optimism towards yep. life and and things that you can do. So having irrational belief is is one of the really key ingredients for success. Yep. At, at the same time, you you talked about legacy and eulogies. Like think about does it really matter what you're doing and have the end in mind. And, and I hope people think that take that seriously because when we interviewed Scott Dorsey on, on one of the podcasts, I asked him, he, he, he was 15 years into Exact Target. He sold his company for $2.5 billion to Salesforce, right? And I asked him, like, what kept him going? What was, there were dark days, there were bad days, there were failure days. And you, you think about all that and you can look at, oh, he sold for $2.5 billion. That's awesome. Yeah, He's like, well. no. Let me tell you how many times I failed. And and the thing that kept him going was the idea that he always thought about, whenever it was a tough time, he always thought about end game in mind. It's like my end game is to build a great company, build great people. Uh, it, it's not about like the current situation never took him off his eyes off the ball of like where they wanted mm-hmm. to go. So I, I love the eulogy and, and, and the legacy aspect of it. You also mentioned that, you know, your legacy is to build great people, not great companies. Yeah. And I think great companies are made up of great people. So it's it's a weird circle of like, you know, if you focus on great people, you will build, end up building a great company. It's a byproduct. It's a, it's a byproduct of it. And Kenny, you got into this idea of your story, man. I'm so amazed, impressed, and humbled cool. here and honored to just hear your story of, of like 20. You're trying to go into a company. They won't even give you money. They won't even give you laptop. And you still hacked into it. Yeah. And you got into a demo. and. Awesome. and and what you've been doing and through that, I, I think you, you're going to continue to inspire people long after this podcast, but in life, uh, which is awesome. But you said something that was profound. Get your foot in the door. Um, get yourself in it. And I can very quickly relate to this a little bit. When I was doing my master's um, in Alabama, Deloitte Consulting was coming and hiring. Okay. And they would only hire undergrads. And I was doing master's. And I was like, why wouldn't you hire undergrads? Uh, oh, so, well, master's. And they're like, well, because master's ask for more money. Wow. And I'm like, as an immigrant, I'm like, I don't care about more money, right? I just want Deloitte's name yeah. because mm-hmm. to me, the end game was to be part of the Fortune, you know, you know, finer company and, and have that two years of experience. But at least they had salary and I couldn't go without that. So yeah. the fact that you went even further than that is like, I'll bring my own laptop. Yeah. Like you just made me, uh, made me think that, man, there's, there's just so much truth to That's that kind great. of kind of thinking and then i'll finish with this last because there's still a lot more thoughts but but for people who kind of remember is is the idea that what got you here may not get you there and it couldn't be more true now than ever i know people might look at that as a um as something that has been said or oversaid in in the world Mm -hmm. but the reality is unless you're learning and growing every single day you know you're actually like dying in, in many ways so if anybody who's listening to the podcast, hopefully this is a learning experience. This is part of your learning journey. Um, but find ways to get in, in organizations or close to events like Sales DO. And yeah. they might be in your city happening today. If you haven't attended an event in the last month or two months anywhere near your region, uh, go and do that. Because that's when you get out of your day-to-day activities and start thinking about different things and learning and bringing it back to the organization. So what got you here won't get you there is really the punchline of this whole thing. So, Derek, Kenny, thank you so much, guys. You guys rocked it. I can't wait for this podcast to go live. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. 
Flip My Funnel is on a mission to build the largest and most engaged community of B2B professionals in the world. Join the movement at flipmyfunnel.com. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.